Welcome to I'm So Obsessed, where we talk with actors, artists, and creators about their work, career, and current obsession. I'm your host, Patrick Holland, and you know today's guest from such shows as The Practice and American Horror Story, as well as films like Steel Magnolias and Wonderland. It's the Emmy Award-nominated and Golden Globe winner, Dylan McDermott. He talks about his role in the new Netflix show Hollywood, what The Practice means to him all these years later, and what it's like having to halt the filming of the Venus and Serena Williams biopic King Richard because of the pandemic. This interview was recorded in April over a Zoom chat with Dylan in LA and myself in San Francisco, so please forgive any audio weirdness. So, um, I mean, there's a million questions I have for you, but let's start with uh, the show that I think a lot of people are excited about, Hollywood. What is it about and who do you play? Wow. What is it about? Um, well, the, the whole show is centered around Hollywood, uh, hence the title. And it really is a revisionist story of Hollywood in the 40s. What if women, people of color, gays, um, equally? Um, so that's really the essence of the show. I play a pimp, producer, and an actor. And his name is Ernie West. And um, I'm pimping um, the boys out of a gas station in Hollywood. That's how I make money. And um, it's a place where mostly gay men can come and um, have a private experience, if you will. And that was actually a true story. That, that existed. That gas station did exist. And you said that um, it's not, it's, some of this is based off real life, but it's not based off a specific person? Really? I mean, uh, there was a man called Scotty Bowers. He just died, I think, last year. He was in charge of the gas station. My character is loosely based on him. Um, but I sort of mixed Scotty Bowers with Clark Gable, if you will. <laughs> and I came up with this guy I'm playing. I say you, you mentioned uh, your influences there. What's some other research you did for the role? Really? Well, there's a documentary uh, that's fascinating. He wrote a book, and um, there's a documentary on Scotty Bowers that uh, I really based on. Uh, you know, my, I would say I used my, my muse, but also Clark Davis, so it was kind of a mixture, um, but triggered my whole performance. And what he said was, I'm up for anything. And I believe that Ernie is up for anything. He is, he will party all day, all night. He's the first one there, the last one there. As when you're like approaching a role like that, that's kind of loosely based on someone, how do you, how does that change the way you go into the character versus maybe someone who's completely fictional? You know, I, I suppose I, I always use a muse um, when I'm creating characters. You know, I find someone um, that I sort of want to base my character on, or maybe a look, you know, uh, the way they dress, their hair, their facial hair, their underwear, what they eat. I go all the way in like that. So I try to find people, and then, then, I, then I use my imagination on top of it. So I, I always think of it as a mix, you know? It's not, for Hollywood, it really was, a lot of it was, you know, obviously 
uh, Ryan Murphy and Ian Brennan, um, their writing, and then my idea of who the character was mixed with it. And, you know, sometimes you hit magic, sometimes you don't, and sometimes you do. Um, but that's usually the way I, I try to approach a character is, is do a whole bunch of research, have, it, have everything down by the time I arrive on the set, and then throw it all out and have fun. Now, obviously, this isn't your first time working with Ryan Murphy. Uh, this is your third project, correct? That's right. Now, how would you define the relationship between you creatively? Um, like, what does it look like on set versus maybe outside working on the show? Well, I mean, Ryan Murphy really is the person you want to work with in Hollywood. What he does is, is like no other. Um, I think that his content is second to none. I think that his characters and what he allows you to do, the amount of characters I've played, I've, I've done American Horror Story with him, and I've played um, three different characters on that show, um, and then The Politician, and now Hollywood. And in all of those, I would say that he trusted me and believed in me and gave me uh, some freedom to be who I am mixed with incredible characters to play. So that's really a gift because you don't always get that. First, you don't, you know, to have that relationship where someone trusts you is uh, so unique. Um, and so that's, that's really been, I think, the... Uh, the anchor of our relationship is is trust. I, uh, years ago, I worked at a theater company, and the name of the company was called Trust Us Theater. <laughs> As if like the audience should trust the choices the 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 season they they made. Um, um, with trust and stuff, I also wonder. Um, you mentioned uh, that it's kind of uh, well, it starts off at a gas station. Your, your character's working at a gas station, um, and I think I read somewhere else that he kind of he's he wants to be an actor. Uh, I'm curious when you go back to kind of the beginning of your career, what is like, what are those odd jobs or the, the weird things you had to do just to get, get by? Well, you know, I, I think I've always been a hustler. Um, you know, I was that kid who was shoveling snow and raking leaves and doing errands. And I, I have, I, I've always worked my whole life. You know, I've, I worked, uh, in factories, I've worked in restaurants. Um, I've always was that kid who was bussing tables. I used to wait. I used to um, wait on actors as a kid. I used to wait on John Belushi and Matthew Broderick and uh, Michelle Pfeiffer. Wow. So, you know, I I was that that kid who who was always you know always had a roll of money in my pocket because I worked I worked my ass off ever since I can remember, and I'm still the same way today. You know. I was I was I would sell stolen polo shirts on 14th Street in New York, <laughs> you know. So I was whatever whatever angle I could get is I was there. I say, who's the better tipper, John Belushi or Michelle Pfeiffer? I think uh, well, they both were very good tippers. <laughs> That's right, the right answer. <laughs> um, and then also, uh, you you talked about your always uh, you're very like how how uh, how much you well, you put towards work and how hardworking you are and you're in so many things. And one of the things you were working on or are working on is this Will Smith movie, King Richard. And I understand it had to be uh, stopped. You guys stopped filming because of the pandemic. So we, you know, to further notice um, until the pandemic is over. So, you know, probably two to four months 
is the estimation. Um, and then we can go back to filming. But again, what a great story. I mean, uh, Venus and Serena Williams, how they grew up uh, overcoming such obstacles, you know, with broken down tennis courts in Compton, uh, their father just championing them every day and making them work so hard. I mean, what a great, great, I didn't, I didn't know their story. And, uh, and I think a lot of people are going to love this movie and, and, and go out and see it because it's just, it's such a, a, a winning story for so many people that you can overcome anything in this life. And I think that that story is, uh, is going to touch a lot of hearts. Uh, it sounds tremendous. Um, what do you think it will be like kind of when you return back, though, from ha- having started something like that and then having to stop and then kind of get back into that zone that you guys are in? I think it's going to be a different world, frankly. I think that we're all going to be a lot more grateful, I'll tell you that much. I think that we all took, um, including me, a lot for granted in this world. And I think that we're going to be grateful for everything we have and in every person we meet and every encounter and just to be have a normal life again. I know I've been, I've been you know, in my house for a month now. Um, and you know, and I'm one of the lucky ones, but it's like, it's not, I don't think it's easy for anybody. And it's, it's, it's not easy for people who are struggling financially, people who are sick, people who are dying, healthcare workers. I mean, it's, it's a strain on the whole planet. So um, I think that everybody, if we're lucky to survive this, um, is going to come back and be a lot happier and a lot more grateful. I, I have the same feeling, and, and I hope hope we're both right about that. Um, I'm curious, going back to kind of you growing up, what did you want to be when you grew up, when you were a kid? You know, I mean, it changed a little bit. I think I, I, think I struggled to, to find out who I was, um, you know, certainly as a young kid. But, you know, I had the good fortune of having Eve Ensler, who, who wrote the Vagina Monologues, as my uh, adopted mom, when I was 15 years old, I met her and she just knew exactly who I was and, and told me pretty much that I was going to be an actor. <laughs> Before I knew, she saw something in me I never saw myself. And she was like, you're going to be an actor. You're going to go take classes at HB Studios in New York. And I, I had no idea how... I mean, I was a latchkid key and I used, to, I used to love watching television. I think television was my main source of comfort as a, as a kid. And, and I just, I didn't, I, I wasn't sure how it all worked. I mean, there was, was, you know, when you're a little kid, you, you don't know how people are on television. You think, how do they shrink themselves to get into that little box? When I began studying when I was about 15 years old, 16 years old, uh, I knew that there was something about it that was, it gave me a voice I didn't have. When I said Eugene O'Neill's words in Long Day's Journey Into Night, um, I, was finally, I was finally able to translate what I felt because I didn't have the words to translate how I felt. But by saying Eugene O'Neill's words, I finally felt like I, I was whole. Who did, you, who did you play in Long Day's Journey Into Night? I just did scene study. Oh, scene study, yeah. Fordham University. I've always wanted to do the play. I can, um, but um, uh, when I said I was playing uh, uh, Edmund at the yeah. time, 
And when I said his words, and I, you know, and, and Eugene O'Neill is one of my favorite writers. It was just something about that, that I knew that I had to be an actor, not because I wanted to be rich or famous or any of that. It was because some psychological component happened where it just made me feel different about myself. And that's, that's still true to today. When I slip into a character like Hollywood, when I slip into Ernie, I, I get a vacation from Dylan. And there's a freedom that I have that I don't normally have as Dylan. And that's why I like to, that's why I like to do character work. And I was doing American Horror Story, 1984, and I was doing Hollywood at the, at the exact same time. And I would jump from one set to the other, and I would play two wildly different characters. I'd play a serial killer on American Horror Story, and then I'd come back and play a pimp on Hollywood. And I was so fulfilled, and I was so happy and so grateful to be able to do both and have, and have these two wildly different characters um, at my fingertips. And it was just so much fun because I, I, I did that once before when I was on the practice. I did a movie called Wonderland. And I was, yeah. I was playing a, a, a lawyer and I was also playing this, this crazy uh, gangster motorcycle guy. So, you know, it's, it's, I love to play two characters at once like that because it keeps me so occupied. There's something about that that really just, just makes me focus in such a way that um that i love um and then going back a little bit to hollywood a little bit obviously part of at least the, what i saw in the trailer part of the fun is the period and the time which is post world war ii um, I'm wondering what kind of things, uh, like prop-wise or setting-wise or costume-wise, maybe popped out to you that you got to use as your character that we don't even maybe, aren't even around today. Well, I mean, we got to start with the clothing. The clothing is absolutely spectacular. Um, the clothes back then were just so refined, so dignified, so beautiful. You know, it, everybody looks spectacular. Um, so the clothes really made a difference. You know, the hat you wear, um, the sweater, the shoe, the belt, the lighter, the cigarette holder, the cigarette case, the chain, all that stuff. I get, I love, oh, I love all that detail. I mean, I even had my underwear made for the show because uh, they weren't they weren't period underwear, and I wanted to have period underwear. So. I always make sure that everything is, is because uh, I'll spend hours and hours and hours, you know, getting everything right. And certainly the clothes for Ernie were very, I wanted, they were very particular. And I wanted to look a very particular way uh, for the show. And luckily, you know, Ryan surrounds, surrounds himself with the best people. So uh, we had the best people you could get um, to, uh, to clothe me for the show. I say, what is period underwear in post-World War II? I don't think a lot of people would know. Yeah, it's a snap. Oh, really? Yeah, there's a snap on it um, that we had. They might, there might be a button or a snap. I, I, I actually chose the snap. And it also sounds like between your approach from acting internally and the research you do, but also the stuff you wear, you've mentioned a couple of times, also helping your character, is the idea is the external and the internal kind of meet where the character is? I think so. I think that sometimes, you know, sometimes you can find, I, I like, I mean, obviously 
at the end of the day, you are you are working internally. But does the external help? Yeah, I think it does. I think if you if you create this person that's that's different than you, you start to act differently. Um, but you know, it does begin it does begin emotionally. You know, what is the need of the character? What is the drive? What is the want? Uh, what is the hope of someone I'm playing? You know, uh, what is his health? Um, wh what is his desire uh, for love? You know, how does he see himself? Is he a, is he a narcissist? Is he a, is he a victim? Is he a, you know, all those things, all those questions have to be answered constantly because that's the approach I'll take with how a line comes out will be based on that. And, and Ernie is an optimist and there's you know ernie always finds the up in every situation and that's a great thing to play you know when someone's an optimist because they're always finding the angle of like you know it's all going to work out it's all going to you know we'll get through this we'll find a way and i let that's a that's a that's a wonderful thing to play um like many people i absolutely love the show the practice and um, now that there's been some distance between you and the show ending, I'm wondering when you think about it, like what does it make you feel or how, or how do you look back on it all these years later? You know, I look at it, I look at it um, really fondly. I've been talking to Laura Flynn lately and um, you know, we were talking about it a little bit and, and I think that, um, you know, it was, it was a great time in history. Um, it was a time that's very different than now. If you think about in the nineties, when I, when I decided to go make the practice in 1998, I think it was, TV was really just not happening. It was, it was like, uh, your movie career is in trouble. And you know, I would say that I was one of the first actors that decided to go to TV because I did see that writing was really important and I needed, I needed to get better as an actor. Uh, I think that, um, I mean, it's like, you know, being on a hit show like that is, is, is equivalent to winning the lottery. It's really so hard to get a show that's successful, uh, that does something for your career, that runs. That, those are things that are so difficult. There's a, a lot of incredible actors out there who never get that lucky, you know, who never get a chance to be on a show or ever, ever have success or... You know, uh, so there's a little bit of fairy dust that goes with this whole thing as well. But I try to just work with the best people. That's always been my, you know, I can't, I, I, I think that that's probably the, the, the most important thing for me is to work with people like uh, Ryan Murphy, who I know his track record, there's a really good chance that you're gonna have success. And you mentioned before, like there was a, uh, obviously a different time and being on network TV. And now a lot, almost a majority of the projects are streaming on services that are a little more pointed towards something like Silicon Valley. Um, what is that like? Because obviously there was a time where you did movies or you did kind of TV, which is frowned upon. And now it's kind of almost the flip where it's you want to be on that show on Hulu or Netflix. And you've gotten to be on several of them. What's that like? You know, boy, the industry has really changed, hasn't it? Um, and it keeps changing. Uh, there was a time when you're, you know, on network, you do 22 episodes, and then it went to like 13, and then it became 10, and then it was eight, 
and now you know Hollywood is seven. So these these limited series are much more like movies, um, and more people are watching limited series. So I think the model is certainly changing. I'm not quite sure what it will be after this, but right now I think limited series are the thing that people really enjoy and get into more than anything else. In a show like Hollywood, you know, you get, we hopefully we'll have multiple seasons and, and different eras of Hollywood where we can explore um, other things, the, uh, other sexual exploits and other characters in the, in the decades of Hollywood. That would be, that would be awesome to be able to do that too. Uh, first, I heard you have a, a street or maybe more specifically a boulevard named after you. Is that right? It is Dylan McDermott Boulevard, if you can believe. It's the, the school where I grew up, my, my grammar school, St. Mary's, um, and the hospital. Uh, no, I wasn't born there. Was it Waterbury? No, I think it was St. Mary's Hospital. Anyways, my grammar school and uh, the mayor of Waterbury, and um, uh, they were kind enough to uh, give me the key to the city and a boulevard named after me. As a matter of fact, I was not, I was there not too long ago and the boulevard was kind of, Dylan McDermott Boulevard was kind of hanging down the sign. Oh no. <laughs> video of it on my Instagram. And it was me walking back and forth with the sign kind of dangling. Anyway, they fixed it right away. I made a phone call and they fixed Dylan McDermott Boulevard. I'm happy to say it's still up. Um, they haven't taken it down yet. So <laughs> we'll see. It's so ridiculous, though, right? I mean, that's so funny. Considering, you know, where I come from to have that, did I know when I was growing up in that town that I would have a boulevard named after me? Hell no. That was not even anywhere near in the cards for me. Oh, man, that's tremendous. Uh, so I like to end with a thing called pick one where I, I just give you options. There's no rhyme or reason to it. You can talk it out. You can complain about the options. Uh, you can not say anything if you don't want to. But uh, yeah, if that's cool with you, I'd like to offer you just a couple quick pick ones. Sure. Uh, the first one is Dylan McDermott or Dylan Mc, uh, Mulrooney. Oh, I'll go with Dylan McDermott on that one. <laughs> um, iPhone or Android? iPhone. Cats or dogs? dogs and you have a dog right i do otis greatest dog in the world has he been a good uh quarantine uh partner here for you yes oh my god he's so sick of me <laughs> i was like oh, i'm gonna be over i got i can't take this guy a minute longer the practice or ally mcbeal the practice uh this one's a little harder tv film or stage well i mean film it's still my favorite. The movies from the 70s, you know, Taxi Driver, The Conversation, Godfather. I, it, it's hard to beat those movies from the 70s. I still think they're the greatest. Um, but, you know, obviously TV right now is having a renaissance. I think that um, I think that the future is these streaming shows. Netflix has been a great place for me. I love working for them. And I think... Uh, I think content is king. So I think, especially now, I, I think the game is going to change even more where people are going to stay home a little bit more than they even have. 
So um, a lot more people are going to be watching television and a lot more people are going to be watching Hollywood, hopefully. All right. So the name of this podcast is I'm So Obsessed. And I want to know what you're so obsessed with. I think I'm always, you know, my daughter is quarantined with me, uh, Colette McDermott. And for some reason, he loves her more now. I'm the one who walks him, but he just loves her more. And now he's obsessed with her and I'm obsessed with him not loving me. So it's like a dog love triangle. Exactly. (laughs) I want to thank Dylan for chatting with me, and I want to thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this interview, take a moment and subscribe to I'm So Obsessed on your favorite podcast app. And until next week, take care.